Listen, uh, I am fond of saying, you will have heard me say it before, that there is more that unites us than there is that which divides us. I just noticed you're wearing Willow Nightingale shirt, by the way. I sure am. And that certainly unites all of us. Yes, repping my girl Willow. <laughs> Go on. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, probably, I imagine. There is, though, surely. I mean, you can strip away, you know, country and religion and heritage. You can strip all that away. And underneath it all, we still have way more in common than we do otherwise. You mean, like, just like our bodies? I mean, yeah, absolutely like our bodies. <laughs> okay. We all... Well, I mean, yeah, it depends on, you know, what metric you're using for this, like, physically. Yeah. yeah. I think probably we are <laughs> all you much know, more alike than we are draw, different. Draw life from the air around us, you know? We all mm-hmm. we all respire and exchange gases with the, the world around us, allowing us to continue to, to eat. We all metabolize energy from food. We all... We all need certain things. We all need, I believe, we all need company. We all need human touch. We all need love. We all need the kinship and camaraderie of our fellow man. We all need warmth, shelter, comfort. We all feel Corrigan. We do. You yes. know? We, we all, all go through Maslow's hierarchy. We together. all feel. We mm. all have needs. We all seek validation. We all need a direction, I think. We all have a lot more in common than we do, which separates us, okay? Okay, yeah, let's start with that premise. Let's start, let's kick off with that premise, shall we? That's a nice wholesome place to begin with. (laughs) And aside from some uh, very rare exceptions, Hmm. one of which I know we've spoken about on this very show, aside from one or two very rare exceptions, we all feel pain. Mm. Yes, that's true. Don't yes. we? We all yes. feel pain. We all have uh, different perceptions of pain. We all feel pain to different degrees. Uh, one person's pain is another person's... Ooh, that tickles, you know? <laughs> sure. Um, But I thought it might be nice to take a little tour through pain. Because believe it or not, the NHS, our NHS here in the UK, uh, a few years back, compiled a list of the 20 most painful conditions it is possible for a human to experience. Oh, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. A list of the 20. And I say conditions uh, pointedly and intentionally because Mm -hmm. on this on this list, you will not find pregnancy and giving birth. Right, of course, yeah. For that is not an ailment, however you might think yeah. of it. Uh, but here, uh, should you wish, I've got 15, in fact. I've got the 15 most painful conditions that a human can experience. Oh, I'm sorry. Just <laughs> real quick, before you explain this, this is horrifying. My motion uh, sensor just went off for, you mm. know, how we have that camera that's yep. under the porch. Um, and so, you know, there's been like a skunk under there the the past few days. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe the skunk is back. I'm just going to quickly check it while Mark is talking. I've just sent you what I saw. Please, to have a look. 
Don't Bill Cosby, <laughs> is it? He's not under there. <laughs> Bill Cosby's under there. <laughs> oh, that's sick. Is that a roach? What is that? I think it's a spider that is like weaving its little web. Directly, it's him doing horrifying, that right, in- <gasps> right in front of the camera. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's so gross. Oh, God, you can almost see the fucking fluid on its mandibles. Yeah, it is deeply disgusting. And I like it. I wish I hadn't seen that. I like it. You should post I'm, that. I knew you would. Yeah, I, I will post this. It's mm. <laughs> worth interrupting for. Yeah. It's horrifying. Anyways, go on. I'm so sorry. Uh, so Let's hear I'm about just, those 15 pain I'm going to just smash us through 15 of these uh, top pain-causing conditions. If you've ever suffered from one of these and come out the other side, then congratulate yourself on having dealt with one of the 15 most painful conditions it is possible for a human to experience. These are in no particular order, by the way. There isn't a kind of a winner. Did they explain their methodology for this? How did they Uh, determine what is the most painful? Because, like, you know, when we talked about our, was it Schmidt's pain index or whatever? Like, the man actually went and he, like, got stung and bit and all of those kinds of things uh, to find it out. What did the NHS do to figure out what's the most painful condition? Well, they're the NHS, Corey. Right? (laughs) Sure are, yeah. That in and of itself is enough for me to assume that they applied some scientific rigor. <laughs> I should hope so, yeah. To this, right? Do I know what their methodology was? No. Okay. Am I confident that there was one? Yes. <laughs> okay, fair. It's the NHS, Corey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't right? they wouldn't make shit up. No, 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 no. The amount of funding that they get. Oh. <laughs> 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 All right, here we go. Coming in uh, at number one, uh, only numerically, we have shingles. Oh. You ever had shingles? Yeah. I'm terrified of this because, like, most, like, well, not most, but, like, one in three of us will get it, right? And I've oh, known a lot of friends. Will get it. Yes. Yeah, I've known friends who've had it. They won't give you a vaccine for it till you're 50. Oh, great. Uh, so until then, you just have to hope you don't get it. My friend Cross Kent had it. My friend Courtney recently had it. And. Like, she, like, both of them described it just as, like, obviously it's on the scale, just horrendously, you don't unceasingly painful. fucking do not want shingles. Uh, <laughs> it's a, a.k.a. herpes zoster. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an, a nerve infection. Fucks up all the skin around it. You're getting rashes, blisters, aching joints, aching bones. Uh, you don't want shingles. And if you've had chicken pox... It's yeah. sitting there in you, in dormant. you, waiting, waiting, yes, to give you the shingles. Uh, so that's number one. You don't want shingles. Number two, a phenomenon called cluster headaches. Uh, yep, that's another yeah? miserable so one. Yeah, absolutely. we are talking excruciating attacks of fucking chronic pain on one side of your head. Uh, very rare. More common in men. Yep. Uh, tend to crop up if they're going to crop up in your thirties or forties. Who knows when you're going to get them next? You don't. Cluster headaches could pop up at any point and fucking fuck you right up with pain. There's a guy in the um, documentary How to How to Change Your Mind. I think that's what it's called. The Michael Pollan documentary about psychedelics. Yes, yes. Um, who suffers from cluster headaches, horrendous yeah. cluster headaches, and basically was like, it's either psychedelics or I kill myself. <laughs> like yeah. it was. Yeah. It's that bad that it's just persistent. 
you get very little relief. And like you said, you never know when it's coming back. Never and as know. someone who gets horrendous migraines, yeah. when I get migraines, the thought that it'll yeah. happen to me again Ooh. makes me want to yeah. literally to end my life. The thought Sickening. that it will come back is like so Sickening. horrifying. So cluster headaches are like that on like to the nth degree, just awful. Yeah. I mean, I get I get migraines with those cool auras with the cool yeah, kind of blind those. spots. Yeah. yeah. The little you halo. see it coming and then you're like, uh oh, yeah, turn out all the lights, get ice, ah, all shit. of that stuff. Here we go. Yeah. Well, interestingly, because number three, migraine. Number three is migraine. If you've got a nice juicy migraine on you, there's mm. nothing else like it. Um, it, it the worst. It's it's awful. vile. Yeah, it's vile. It's like a bodily fucking sickness. It isn't just in your head. It's, it's... It drives me crazy when people will like go on like Twitter or whatever and be like, oh, I have such a bad migraine right now and I things know. like that. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> like if you had a bad migraine right now, yeah. you would have no lights, no phone, any of that stuff. You would just be throwing up, trying to find yeah. a single position you can be in yeah. that gives you a tiny bit of relief last migraine i had uh i i thought all right fine i'll look like a dick and i had one of those sticky on the head kind of cool yeah. strips i have those as well didn't do shit nope not at all didn't stick it on my shit. neck stick it on my head stick it up nothing. your ass mate it did nothing <laughs> exactly <laughs> i will though for anyone who does suffer from these the one thing that i did discover can help if you get it at the right point keep and a plastic water bottle in mm. your freezer at all times mm. that fits just right in the curve of your neck. Nice. Uh, so as soon as you start to get like that little twinkle in your eye that tells you it's coming before yeah. the pain starts, all that, you go get that water bottle, you wrap it in a paper towel, whatever, put it in your neck and take pills and pass out. <laughs> Because it kind of numbs the entire side of your head. And if you okay. can fall asleep, which is one of the issues with migraines, like once it hits, yeah. you're fucked. Uh, so if you can fall asleep with that cool pack before the migraine fully hits, I have found that that can dull the effect and make it la last Wonderful. less time. Wonderful. Yeah. There you go. Pro tips. Yes. Uh, number four. Number four. Frozen shoulder. Okay. I've never heard of frozen this one. Frozen shoulder. So... Uh, not really clear why some people get this condition frozen shoulder basically it's inflammation of the tissues around your shoulder joint right mm -hmm. and just like the condition says it will freeze your arm in place uh making it impossible to move without absolute fucking chronic agony uh mm. it can take anything up to like a year year and a half <gasps> two years to clear itself up oh, and nobody knows why it happens could happen to you could happen to any of us frozen shoulder yeah, mate. our tissues are delicate they are <laughs> they Delicate do all kinds of shit yes yeah. yes they do um number five speaks for itself broken bones break a bone's gonna hurt like shit yes uh my own experience of breaking a bone was the most immediately painful and horrific thing i've ever experienced uh Ooh. caused me to vomit i actually fucking oh, threw right. up it was so yeah. painful um uh. <laughs> yeah yeah the people i was with <laughs> laughed as well so that's great I mean, it's to, it's like as an instantaneous reaction. Like I'm just imagining you fall over, you hit your elbow, and just. Oh, that's exactly <laughs> like, what happened. Uh, it was an ice rink. I, I was on uh, ice. I uh, I broke my collarbone, um, but I don't. For whatever reason, I don't remember it being. I, I was stepped on in a softball game. I was oh, sliding gosh. into second base, and uh, someone stepped on my collarbone in oh, cleats. No. But I don't know, maybe it's just because I have so many other painful conditions. Yeah. I wouldn't rank it as like the top 
painful thing that I've experienced. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it hurt. Uh, but it wasn't like, I didn't throw up. <laughs> so okay. Put it okay. that way. <laughs> nice. Well, that's a win. Yeah, that's um, a, I'm going to call that a win. When I think about what could have happened, yep. I, I'll call it a win. Number six. Hey, no need to really explain this one too much. Cancer. So yeah. whether it's cancer pain from a kind of a tumor pushing against bone or nerve or whether it's post-operative pain or whether it's through the treatment that you're receiving, cancer in many fucking ways hurts like a son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven. Interesting condition called CPRS, Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. CRPS. Yep. Compl- that's what I said. Sure. Listen to the tape. <laughs> CRPS is a actually quite poorly understood condition whereby uh, just shit hurts. Oh, yeah, well, mystery that. pain, severe, debilitating mm-hmm. pain. Uh, it can be triggered by an injury, but a lot of times it's just severe and fucking long-lasting, awful pain in one of your limbs. Good old chronic pain is super Good old fun. chronic pain. Yep. Uh, number eight, heart attack. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that that is horrendous. I've heard. Uh, and the story doesn't end, you know, in any kind of, uh, doesn't end in, in any spectacular way. But that one time I thought I was having a heart attack, uh, I, I I started to feel that pain. I was like, right, here we go. I'm going to die. This is it. Yes. Yeah. Come on. Let's fucking go. And <laughs> You know, it's didn't. possible you did have a heart attack. Like, oh shit! I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's like I know that like my dad, he had two small heart attacks and didn't know until he went to the doctor and they did some sort of screening of his heart and they were like, you know, you you've had heart attacks, right? Fuck! I like, hadn't even considered that because yeah. it 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 felt too much like how everybody says a heart attack feels for it not to for have been not to have been that yeah it's quite possible you actually did have a heart attack and it just didn't kill you <laughs> and uh, you're like we're fine it's all right. good that is now so maybe how go I'm to a cardiologist <laughs> well it was a couple of years <laughs> back and i'm all right well so you know yeah okay so there we go <laughs> we'll go with that uh, but the an interesting thing about the heart attack thing so when you're like how you're saying this is conditions right not like normal stuff like pregnancy or whatever there was that what is fascinating about that to me is that there was like some sort of research study done that showed that um like cramps period cramps when people have bad period cramps are on par with the level of a heart attack in terms of pain and so women or people with uteri Yes, um, yes. have that level, the heart attack level of pain for four, five, six days at a time. And this is like, you know, when we were talking last week about how terrible women's health care is and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like yeah, 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 our yeah. baseline pain is heart attack. And like we see no problem with that. Like we're still supposed to go to work. We're yeah, still yeah. supposed to play sports. We're still supposed 100%. to yeah, walk it off like having a heart attack for a week. It's wild. <laughs> Fucked up. Um yeah. Number nine is a slipped disc. So if the mm. soft cartilaginous cushioning between your vertebrae, if that gets herniated somehow, if it gets popped out, uh, that's going to absolutely fucking suck. If it pushes mm. on nerves, just yeah, nothing worse than <laughs> the misery of spinal pain. Fucking horrific. That's number yeah. nine. Number nine, slipped disc. Number 10, one I am dreading because it's in my family and I know it's coming my way at some point arthritis 
Ooh. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, they're the two big ones. That's mm-hmm. in your connective tissue, your joints becoming all fucking fucked up. And yeah. every movement of a hand or an arm or a fucking knee causes agony. Yeah. Uh, Ehlers-Danlos is often confused with rheumatoid arthritis because mm. they have very similar uh, symptoms. Uh, see. But yeah, I know one of my friends, um, Avery, she like got like very early onset rheumatoid arthritis when she was like 27. Mm. And so now she's my age. She's like 37. Um, and she walks with a cane and all that Yikes. kind of stuff. Like it's just so deeply painful yep. and it re- it's so common like yes. <laughs> something that painful is so deeply common like you said runs in your family my grandmother had it you know it's all over the place yeah uh, it's coming for us um a, a, a teacher of mine in secondary school a french teacher of mine had just really advanced arthritis in her hands oh, her hands were just yeah. gnarled up and bent you know what i mean just terrifying yeah. it's kind of how my grandma was towards the end it's like really yeah, yeah gnarly yeah, yeah. fingers and everything yeah. like oh god i don't want that yeah, no, nobody wants that. Let's nobody cure that. Also, let's figure that shit out. <laughs> if we could, yeah, let's chuck money at that and get that. Yeah. Uh, number 11, sciatica. So we've got the oh, sciatic yeah. nerve, which goes all the way from your lower back down to your feet. If that's all fucked up somehow, compressed, irritated, that's going to cause you absolute misery yep. and agony. So don't be getting that. Yeah, my dad had that, and I remember he couldn't walk for, like, oh, six months. God damn. And that's yeah. all he did. My dad's favorite activity in the world was walk, and he could not do that because he had sciatica. Thanks. Thanks, sciatica. <laughs> right. Uh, no need for any explanation about number 12, appendicitis. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to cause you some fucking pain. Uh, number 13, Anything kidney. that's, like, can explode in your body is probably yes. extremely Arbitrarily painful. out of nowhere, just yeah. boist. <laughs> uh, coming in at number 13 we've got kidney stones so oh, yeah, I've man. had it twice <gasps> talk to us how was it I it is the only thing that is worse than a migraine that I have ever experienced in my life and in fact you've, got, you've had two of these on the list so far this is fucking yeah, I know I have multiple of this shit uh, I remember my friend's mom uh, had said you know she had three children yeah. unmedicated and she said she would have three more easily before one more kidney stone because she had kidney Christ. stones and it was that painful. The thing about it is like what when people talk about kidney kidney stones, they often talk about like the passing it, like thinking like, especially for men, like, oh, having like a stone come out of your dick or whatever. But that's not what hurts. <laughs> it's not like <laughs> the actual thing coming out. That is the problem. It's the journey that it is taking sure. from your kidney out you know and it is i remember the first time that i had this happen i was at home kia was at work and i started to feel this pain kind of in the in my side yeah and i was like "Ooh, that that really hurts and i was like i don't know where this is coming from and so i was like i'm gonna take a hot shower and so i got into the shower and after like two minutes collapsed to the floor and started just throwing up into the shower and i was so it was so debilitating that my phone was on the sink and i couldn't crawl to get to the sink to grab the phone Mm. and it took me like probably like 90 minutes to get up the strength to get the phone off of there i kind of like knocked it down pulled it towards me in the shower tried calling Keo 
uh, couldn't get a hold of him, ended up like my uh, my friend worked at the same place as him. I called her and was like sobbing into the phone like, Amanda, like, I think I might be dying. Like, can you get Keo? And so like she called Keo, he came home and I was just throwing up into the the shower so you, still so you, you didn't know what it was then you didn't I had know that it no was idea because i'd never had it before oh. um and i literally was just like this is like whatever this is is about to kill me you know like and i wasn't clear-headed enough to even like know how to like dial 911 or anything like that it was just like straight my entire body just quit you wow. know like and i could i couldn't move i could i everything was in so much pain Did you i have literally to, I was mean, like because they can I, I give thought, them the fucking lasers or something can't they they can like destroy them with the yeah yeah thing. yeah waves. the thing was because i waited so long it passed okay. <laughs> like you know which is saying something like this isn't even a kidney stone that's like so huge they had to blast it with something this is one that was small enough that mm. it could pass on its own and it caused wow. me so much pain that i genuinely was like if it doesn't kill me i need someone to kill me yeah. like this it hurts so much Do you still have it i can't live on like that you know um, I've had one more since. Oh, do I have the stone? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> what did you put it under your pillow and get a quid? <laughs> yeah, then the stone fairy comes. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, you know, when I, you see me drinking tons of water oh, all yeah, the yeah, time, because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what kidney stones are, isn't it? To build up a yeah. waste in your blood. Uh, yeah, and you just have to crystalline kind of calcified lump. Ugh. Yeah, you have it once. You're gonna start really paying attention to your water. You have it mm. twice. You will never let yourself be dehydrated again. Oh, incredible. Yeah. Mm, thank you for the insight. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> deservedly so at number 13. Number 14, we have a trigeminal neuralgia. Ooh. So, um, generally caused by a compression of a particular nerve, the trigeminal nerve. Uh, you, that bad boy is inside the skull. And if you get trigeminal neuralgia, you're going to have fucking incredible, sudden, severe, wild facial pain. Oh. Yeah. Mad face pain. Uh, sometimes described. It's not as a place like, you think of having pain a lot. No, it isn't. But. It's like the one place a, that I can say I almost never have pain. <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoy that my face is pain free. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's one thing we can usually count on. Yeah. But out of nowhere, you get a compressed trigeminal nerve and all of a sudden you literally have face ache oh that sounds awful yes finally finally mm. a warm welcome to my friend gout oh ben had that oh really yeah my yeah. dad that, had it that changed point. his entire life yeah 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 <laughs> so it's a kind of arthritis so you got little small kind of crystals forming around your joints uh, a buildup of a particular type of acid in your blood, and that particular joint is fucking agony. Yeah, which I don't think I had, I didn't realize, like when you hear, like gout is a word that doesn't sound that serious, you know, and you're like, oh, someone ate too much red meat and they got gout and whatever, yeah. like, yeah. but it actually is like horrible, like really extremely painful. Uh, a factor can be excessive consumption of awful I don't think that's how Ben got it. <laughs> okay. Was he into his tripes? <laughs> He's eating so much tripes. Just flat out uh, on the yeah. fucking, on the haggis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that 
is what it is. But like literally now, I think that was like two or three years ago that yeah. he had that. The poor guy then also got meningitis after that. Like I, he doesn't deserve this. Um, no. But I mean, he seems like a good guy. He's Where like, is he's your a good God? guy? He's, yeah. yeah, right. Um, but after that, now he like he eats mostly like salads and things like that. Like he's yeah. like so careful because it was it was so painful that Runs it's like, like you just a can't. Mad lad. You don't. Yeah, <laughs> you don't ever want to experience that a second time. So you just change everything. Fascinating, fascinating. fascinating. There are a couple more, but uh, there's also pancreatitis. Uh, mm. Your pancreas is all fucked up. Endometriosis. There's another uterus one. There you go. That's a uterine issue. Uh, yep. Fibromyalgia. Again, That's, completely yeah. fucking unknown. Why the fuck does it happen? My mother uh, has that. Does she? Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe yep, we should get her on. Constant does she want to be a guest? <laughs> I feel like we've uh, heard so much of her around <laughs> the cast. Yeah, let's just let's just keep it okay. secondhand. She talked to us about her fibromyalgia. Uh, number 19 is a stomach ulcer. Oh, yep, have had one of those as well. And finally, post-operative pain. So if you've just been stitched up, just been put back together, that's a pain. A, a yeah, rare makes sense. And, and delectable pain. 20 conditions there, folks, which will cause you pain like nothing else you've ever felt. If you've ever dealt with any of those, do please reach out and let us know. Yeah, let us know what it's like, man. Like, want to hear your experiences with these. Because honestly, it what is fascinating about that list is that there's not really anything super rare nope. on there. Like, those are all things people have. Yeah. Uh, like, what, I experienced around. three of those things that are on that list. Like, yeah. So, yeah, if you experience these, please tell us about it. And if you're not experiencing one of these right now, yes. be thankful. It's a matter of time. But, oh, friends, we are united as humans. We are united in pain. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. I don't think anyone has ever said mise-en-scene in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's cold so... outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Yeah, you can introduce us this week. I've decided. I bless it out oh. now. You can you can bring us in. You have blessed me yes. <laughs> with the opportunity to say hello to our listener base. Yes. Well, greetings, dear Jack of All Graves family, beloved Jack of All Graves family, who yep. we are so delighted to get the opportunity to speak to every single week. It is it an is, opportunity, isn't it? It is an opportunity. Like, I feel lucky. Yeah. It's an in opportunity fact, that we have afforded ourselves. Indeed, because sometimes you gotta you gotta grab life by the horns and yes. hump it into submission. And that's what we're doing here <laughs> every week on Jack yeah. of All Graves. Let me tell you, Mark, honestly, as as we're on just because we're coming in on that note of thinking about the opportunity that we have here. Had Grabbing people am- by the horns and humping them gra- into submission. And humping them into submission, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I, we had such a wonderful book club yesterday with That's good to hear. Jack of All Graves Base. It was a small, small but mighty group. Um, I had had to delay book club from last week uh, because I hadn't slept um, and was delirious. Uh, but so what did this you do? Week, it was Mulcher's tome. Yes, 
it was indeed. So it was I Am the Law. Um, I discovered that I am the opposite of pretty much everyone else in the book club in that I have a really hard time reading fiction books and it's like okay. takes a lot to like, you know, get me through an entire one. But you yeah. can be nonfiction. I'm golden. Yeah. yeah Everybody yeah. else had a little bit more of a struggle <laughs> with uh. trying to read a nonfiction book because sort of a, like we're very interested. We want to, but it is much tougher to get through this. Fair enough. Yeah. That said, we ended up, normally book club is about an hour long. We spent two and a half hours on that Zoom talking about society nice. and Very fascism nice. and it's, all of that kind of stuff. It's a testament to just how good a book it is. I, I often mm. struggle with nonfiction. Uh, mm. I struggle a lot with history. Um, mm, interesting. But I I absolutely ripped through I Am The Law in the space of two days. Yeah. It was fucking great. Yeah, and I think when, like, when you, like, really sit with it, like, Colin read it in, like, a day as well, mm. you know, like, once you kind of get there, it really does, it's pretty easy to be captivated by, but you do have to be able to get your, get yourself in the zone to read yeah. nonfiction, yeah. which is, obviously, this is why I have the job I have. <laughs> it's because I can read nonfiction and history and stuff all day, every day. And in fact, oh my gosh, speaking of history, this is... Dear listener, we're in tangent mode today, so just bear with us. But oh god, aren't we? <laughs> um, I found a YouTube channel yesterday. Yeah. That is a guy who cooks stuff from history and talks about the history of the food. <laughs> and so, like, That's good, I yeah, yeah. And so he had an entire playlist that was about food on the Titanic, and then he'd talk about Titanic history and like who doesn't love the Titanic? Yeah, true. It's like one of the most interesting things yep. in history. And he made food like, here's what they ate in third class, second class, first class. Here's what the staff ate and then told like historical stories in each of them. It was so great. And apparently... Drop the guy's name. Drop him. Drop the Max teats. something. It's called okay. um, Eat it, Tasting History. So if you look for Tasting it's History... Lovely. Great title as well. Beautiful name mm. on YouTube. His name's Max something. I can't remember what it is. During the book club... This came up and uh, Steve and Aunt, like Steve watches it all the time. Hollywood Steve of Dead yeah. and Lovely. And Anna was like, oh, yeah, I get really sucked in when he watches these. Um, so if you do like history things and if you're like me, like all I watch is food shows. It's either horror movies or food shows. <laughs> this is the best of both worlds right Very here. Nice. Big recommend. But anyway, uh, I'm sure there is. I'm yesterday. sure this exists. Um in fact, even as I'm saying this, I know this exists because I've seen it. <laughs> but uh, surely there are plenty of YouTubers who make dishes that appear in fiction. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because they're, they're Yeah, yeah. And even, even as I was saying that, I know that there are cookbooks. <laughs> Star Wars cookbooks, <laughs> Doctor Who cookbooks, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. We've, my friends and I have made various things that come from stuff, too. One of my favorites was um, when the first Psych movie came out. We had a party and we made cinnamon pie, which is mentioned in the Dual Spires episode of uh, of Psych, nice. which you might catch as a play on Twin Peaks. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, so we made that because there's, you know, we just looked up like Psych cinnamon pie and there's always people who have turned yes. those things into yep, stuff. Yep, so yep, yep, yep. Nice. I love those too. I love food. Like, yes, you know, so <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. I love food. I love books. I love the Joeg people. You're a, a regular fucking Renaissance girl. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of interests out there, and I, I shall the find them. I like the books. 
<laughs> fucking all of that stuff. Yeah, a nerd, I think, is what usually you like to read and feed, that. read and feed, read and feed. Ugh, that's it. That's my mantra. Now I'm gonna get that tattooed on me. Read and feed. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thanks everyone who came to book club. Next book, I am not sure what it is. I should have checked before that. But go to jackofallgraves.com/bookclub and you can find the whole Jack of All Graves book club calendar there um, with a link. Yeah. Where you can order the book from Gibson's Bookstore in New Hampshire and get a nice 20% discount on that book by using our particular code to order it. And uh, often you get a nice little note from our dear friend bookseller Ryan as well when you when you do that. So check that out. It's such a great time. Yeah. Marvelous. How about you, uh, Mark? What's, uh, what's going on with you? Uh, everything's fine with me. Um, we had oh, a video there's a rant. new video rant. There's yes. a new video rant. So enjoy that, won't you? If you're one of the fucking thrice blessed, uh, do feel free to pop along to Ko-Fi and check out this month or so's video rant. Um, <laughs> oh, Wheel of Justice. The Wheel of Justice. Uh, but I figured, you know, maybe we spin it next week as the first of the month when we do our shout outs. Or do you want to do it now? What are you thinking? Listen, you're the creative director, right? <laughs> this is your podcast. I'm just here... Just to chat shit. Just here to look pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in my new glasses, I do look pretty. Those are great glasses. This is like Thank a completely different look much. for you, and I think it Thank works really well. I'd been walking around for decades with the same kind of anonymous black rectangles on my face, yeah. you know? So I mm -hmm. thought, uh, at 44, I genuinely don't give a fuck anymore about others' opinions of my appearance and will wear what pleases me. And I think that it's an upgrade. I think it looks. I think it looks good. I'm delighted to hear that. Thank you. It's a beautiful thing. Um, so yeah, we'll spin the wheel of justice next week when we do our listener shoutouts as well. Just get it all in. Get this started off right. You know, okay. April. April's going to be off to a delightful start. Fine by me. Beautiful thing. Um, yeah. And I will be in the UK finally after all these weeks and months of looking forward to it. So Two unless, days. if we're going to record Friday, is that what Thursday. we said? Thursday. Are you going to be in the UK then? Yeah. So where are you going to be? Where are you going to be recording on Thursday? In my hotel room in London. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, right? Yeah. Super I like excited. That. I will have just seen Death Cab the day before at the mm. Royal Albert Hall, which I am very excited about. I think that's going to be pretty neat to They've see. passed me by, you know, Death Cab. Oh, uh, yeah? I don't believe I've heard a single note. <gasps> wow. I know, I know, I know. A lot of people like them. How would you categorize yeah. them? Oh, I don't know. I'm not. This is like giving genre to thing is not my specialty. I'm like, I don't know. I just like them. They, uh, they were a band I listened to a lot when I was in high school. Yeah. Really good for the sort of like angsty, yep, teenage vibes, but like a little artsier, you know. So, yeah, Isn't I don't know that they would be to your fandom taste. A beautiful thing. It is. Yeah, I, I do really right. like that. Uh, I have been, I have been fucking, I've been almost feeding, right, on watching Sam's AFI oh, fandom yeah. blossoming and erupting this past right. couple of weeks. Uh, so great. Yes, our dear friend Sam, who flew to Los Angeles, I mentioned last week that he ended up in my other friend's picture mm. uh, at this AFI show, and it's been, yeah, super fun to watch But just, that, just that watching high. his stories, watching him unbox, like a, you know, a, a colored vinyl, a rare fucking pressing or whatever, and it's... And you know, I've got lifelong fandoms myself. I've got bands mm -hmm. who I've loved ever since I was a kid. Bands who, you know, 
have long since dropped off the cultural fucking relevance <laughs> barometer. They're gone. But yeah. they're still out there. They're still fucking generating music. They're still out there. They're fans. And it's it's lifelong fandom. It is so beautiful. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I was trying to think, like, what's a... There's a lot of those. Often boy bands are a big one for me where I've, like, I've loved boy bands my whole life. But I'm thinking yes. about something like... I don't know, I guess not boy bandy. And I feel like Bush is probably like the biggest example for me that like Bush yeah. was just like, you know, Green Day was probably my very earliest fandom, like where yeah. I was in second grade and I was like, yes, this is everything. Uh, but like Bush, I feel like, you know, really has like this place for me yeah. of like deep, like every time I get back into them, I feel like I'm 11 years old again yeah. and just like obsessed all Gotta over. say. Out of nowhere, at the end of last year, Bush came back with a fucking banger of an album. It is a great album. It yeah. is excellent. Uh, <laughs> it is called The Art of Survival, and it is very, very good. Yeah, highly recommend. Way and, better you know, than you might expect. Yeah, and I, I mean, Gavin's voice is just the greatest, and I follow him on all the things, and, you know, when mm. he randomly appears on, like, a podcast or something, I will, you know, check it out. Just a, a lifelong affection Mm. for for bush you know there's like to go to like one of my earliest ones there's obviously a lot of bands i listen to in high school and stuff like that that like mm. still are a big thing but yeah if, if we're going back really early that's the lasting one i think it's me. a different uh i think it's a different condition entirely when a band goes into that long-term phase of their career mm-hmm. you know what i mean and I, I use bands as an example performers actors writers it's all the same um, yeah. But when a band carries on making music, when when like I say, when they've dropped out of the charts and they've dropped out mm-hmm. of the news and they've dropped out of you know the fucking the the sales figures are dwindling and their right. audiences are dwindling, but they carry on fucking yeah, making music yeah. and the fan base becomes more and more cultivated, should we say? Yeah, <laughs> and more and more fervent and more and more supportive, and it, it, it the fandom evolves i think mm-hmm. when a when a you know a, a performer's career goes into that long-term phase 10 20 30 years in and they're still out there still fucking making music and those who are with them for the fucking long haul that's where i think fandom becomes something really beautiful yeah. and, and when you go to shows for bands like that the vibe yeah, is just yeah 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 so unique you know yeah. like with, with sam going to this afi show and the like group of people who he's known online and things like that for yeah. decades and you know i think about like the strangers you meet at a show of a band like that is different yeah. than one that's like yeah you know, if i yeah. were to go to a show of like taylor swift yeah like you know the fans or whatever <laughs> like you're there for your experience with you know, this big artist or whatever. And, you know, that's what the thing is when it's like, you know, people who have followed a band for 20, 30 years or whatever, and who are still coming to shows, these increasingly smaller venues and things like that. You start having conversations with people about how much this, these bands mean to you. You end up making like friends at this kind of stuff that I think is so magical. It's not just the strangers that you meet. It's the regulars that you fucking the see. The regulars, yes, you know? exactly, yeah. The last couple of times I've seen therapy, I look around in the crowd and, I, and I, I'm i fucking yeah, I sure I recognise the same faces, you know. I mean, <laughs> I've fucking seen you before. And you yeah, know that absolutely. you could just walk. I didn't make this observation. I can't remember who made this observation first. But when, when you're at a band in that stage of their career and in that stage of your fandom, you know that in that room full of people, you could walk fucking five paces in any direction and strike up a brilliant conversation with any right. of them. With that yeah. one lifelong love in common, and it is so beautiful. I think this is like 
why I've always been, you know, I think I've always kind of defined myself on the myself on the things that I like or, or have developed a lot of friendships based on things that we have in common that we like because I just feel like there is something special yes. about that. You know, not all people are really like fans. Yeah, sure. sure <laughs> no, sure. not everyone is fans of things. They have other interests in life. Not that I don't have other interests, but I think that you know, there, it just always feels like I can find common ground. Yeah. with people on many layers of life based on what pop culture things, what bands, what movies, what TV shows and things like that, that yes. we like, you know, and obviously this show is an example of that. It's <laughs> all of yes. the people that we've come to know as a result of it. You know, yeah. we're all Love fans. It. Yes, we are. <laughs> Where That's going to be from? us. That's going to be oh, us cultivating good. a fucking tiny audience in 30 years yes. time. Exactly. <laughs> Not like Why were we talking about up. that? I don't know. <laughs> Something about your life you this week. You went to see... No, Sam went to see AFI Rewind Use. You were, you're going to see Death Cab? That's oh, it. that was You'll it. be yeah, in Britain next Death week. Cab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We're but tangential tonight, friends. Yeah. We really are. We're rabbit holing like a son of a bitch tonight. Yeah, we sort of just unintentionally recorded a snack of all graves before this. So... This week, you will also get a nice uh, special episode where you get to hear us attempt to plan out some Jack of All Graves content and fail spectacularly. Yeah? <laughs> Let's look just at the process. Yes. Have you ever listened to an episode of Joe Wagon and thought, fuck, I bet <laughs> a, lot of pl- a lot of planning must go into this? <laughs> no one has ever <laughs> thought that ever. Have you ever thought, Jesus, the, the fucking the rigor with which they approach. <laughs> this podcast it's got to be a lot of prep would you like maybe like a little look at that yeah well, we got you covered we're gonna give you a little peek at I that process it's that. truly when you think about it amazing that we will spend two hours talking on this podcast but beforehand we probably already were talking for an hour yes and we do this every week just talk every week and talk and talk we haven't run out yet no we haven't we haven't which is great um, anything else that uh, is going on in your life and whatnot oh, that no, you would like to share with the class? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there is. I mean, no, I'm, I'm feeling good, mate. I love that. I'm very glad yeah. to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So why don't we talk about what we've watched lately then? Yes, uh, I actually have something to offer this time as well. What have you seen? <laughs> Did we watch anything together this week? No, I, I think our paths have not crossed much this week, actually. It's unusual um, that we don't find time to uh, watch a movie together. Right, the not internet, a single it? movie. That's just, I mean, you had a, a wild and crazy week. It was hard to even record yes, Joag yes, this week. So mm. for once, yeah, we don't have anything in common to share. So I've, I've watched a few things of <laughs> varying uh, degrees of goodness this week and last week. Um I watched, uh, let's see here, going back, I'm just trying to figure out where was the last time we talked or whatever. Um, I watched, oh, so Dead and Lovely did Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, uh, last week, which (laughs) you love, um, and which has, is polarizing as a film. It is. It's polarizing amidst Elm Street fandom. It's polarizing amongst horror fans it's polarizing amongst people who have eyes and watch movies (laughs) it really is and and you can see why when you watch it and i think you know they didn't particularly like it on dead and lovely and they had very good reasons why what was it did not work um 
Oh gosh, don't make me try to do this off the top of my head. Okay, well, I just <laughs> too tired for these kinds of things. But they have a lot of very good reasons about. What were your what were what were your thoughts? Yeah. I guess you didn't really enjoy it, no. No, no, no. It's I, I mean, I am I am kind of in the middle on it. Um, I think that there are certainly story issues in this uh, in this movie and things like that. I think that there are definitely points at which it drags in ways that it shouldn't. Um, However, what I really like about Freddy's Dead, um, which, by the way, I like watched this thinking it'd been like a decade since I'd seen it. And then when I started watching it, I was like, I think I watched this like three months ago. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I like that it's kind of Roger Rabbity. Um, oh, it yeah, yeah, feel, yeah. It is yeah. a horror Roger Rabbit. It's it got is. like it's, a, it's a cartoon, 100%. It is very much a cartoon, and I really like that. This is actually one of the things that they didn't super like um, mm. on Dead and Lovely, but, uh, you know, I enjoy that stupid scene with Breckenmeyer uh, bouncing around and, like, yeah, the video sure. game and Pulled stuff up. like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. even if it, it does end anticlimactically. I will grant it that. <laughs> but this is, I think every time I watch it, there's always a moment where I'm like, wait, how did he die? Where, mm. What happened? But it's fun to watch. Um, something, and, you know, something the, 3D lenticular 3d something worms dream worms <laughs> eh. i don't know um it, you know there's yeah it's, can i just it's sorry i'm of... gonna pull myself up there i just called it lenticular 3d and that is incorrect red green Ooh. 3d is known as anaglyph 3d well there we go there you go i apologize but i hope i've made it right <laughs> i'm glad you didn't mislead mm. our listenership um, and I've learned something new there, except I've immediately forgotten. What was it? it anaglyph. 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 3D. I like it. But yeah, I think it's it's cartoony in a way that I enjoy. Um, it's a little uneven in its tone on whether it's taking itself seriously or not. So you've got yeah. kind of, you know, the one character who's like really having a bad time throughout this whole thing, going through a lot of emotional drama and all yeah. this stuff. And then the rest of it is really cartoony. Like, it's... Mm. I don't know, but it's fun to see, you know, child Freddy and growing up Freddy and all that kind oh, of stuff. Um, that they do a really where you go through all the eras of Freddy. Is... Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. You got Alice Cooper in there. Yes. Um, you've got that. <laughs> I love me some Alice Cooper. Oh, it's great. You know, you, just just that scene of Freddy in school just crushing the school yeah. mouse with a fucking mallet. Fucking <laughs> right. Right. If you want my take, and I, I suspect Please. you might. Freddy's Dead is a film that is 100% in control of what it is. It knows exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I even think there's a kayfabe reason for why Freddy is such a fucking goof in that movie. Mm-hmm. Over the course, my this is headcanon, but I think over the course yes. of the Elm Street saga, he gets more and more fucking goofy, la la la, oh, which yeah. ends up with him being forgotten by the Elm Street kids. So he needs Jason in the end to help him <laughs> claw back some power. That's, sure. that's headcanon. But... Um, this is, this is Goofy Freddy. This is, obviously, you know, they needed a gimmick. The, 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 the 3D is a good laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say that it knows exactly what it is, just the cameos, you know what I mean? Having Johnny Depp in there is a nice little right, throwback. Yeah. Alice Cooper, you know, because. Yeah, because Alice Cooper. <laughs> and, you know, for, in, you get a load of lovely Freddy lore in there. You've got the nuns, you know what I mean? You've got yeah. the burning, you've got uh, Freddy, Janitor Freddy. Uh, yeah. and and some of the kills are great. The ear, the yeah. hearing aid kill with the the nails down the blackboard is yeah fucking brilliant. That's <laughs> one of my favorite of the series. Um, yeah. 
and you're right, it's Roger Rabbit as fuck. In the, the, that opening kill where he drags out the bed of nails. Right. And he, he even fucking shushes the camera, you know what I mean? At one point, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's peak stupid Elm Street. And yeah. I'm a big And I'd watch it a million times before watching Dream Child. I mean, it's a very yes. watchable yes. movie comparatively. So. Yeah, you're so right. And yeah. it is, of course, the intersection between my two lifelong fandoms of Elm Street and Doctor Who. It's where they cross. They cross. Doctor Who and... Directed by Rachel Talalay. Uh-huh. Who has done a load of episodes of Doctor Who. Oh, is she British? Uh, no, no, she's American. I believe oh. she lives over here now. I might be Interesting. wrong. Interesting, okay. Um, Fascinating. But all the way from Tank Girl up to her current TV work... Rachel Talley is fucking great. She's super sharp on Twitter. She's super knowledgeable, <laughs> super inco- uh, accommodating. And I think she did a banging job with Freddy's Dead. In fact, my one real complaint about Freddy's Dead is the makeup. He looks rubbery as shit in yes, that film. Yes, he definitely does. It's, the, it's easily the worst Freddy prosthetic of the lot. <laughs> um, but the, the movie itself is fucking a blast. Yeah, that's I think it's it's fun. I don't have like I don't hate it. I think mm. yeah, I'm in between. I don't think it's a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, but at the same time, like even having realized I just watched it, watching it again, I was like I'm still having fun. Yeah. So, does things I like, I feel good about it. It's got some fantastic uh 3D camera gags. <laughs> which I <have a laughs> Which I know huge, you love. Oh, the huge love. Mark. Hey, look at this yeah. baseball bat waves bat at the camera. <laughs> Uh, you got Yaffa Koto for fuck's sake. Yes, right? I mean, that's... A... Justice for Freddy's Dead. Yeah, oh, the and pedigree on... on this film. Yeah, it's it's huge. And it was, I think, I think I'm right in saying it was the first ever 18 film that I saw at the cinema. Oh, that's kind of fun. First ever. Mm-hmm. I love that. I wish yes. I don't know what my first like rated R movie was in the theater and I do wish I remembered that I feel like it was a big deal at the time but I don't remember you know what now I think of it Freddy's Dead was the first 18 rated film I saw at the cinema the first 18 rated film I saw at home on home video was Elm Street 3 Ah. is it any wonder that I'm a lifelong Fred head he's right there in my fucking my formative (laughs) psyche exactly (laughs) I love that yeah. Um, I went to the theater, the the cinema. Uh, one does like a trip say. to the theater, doesn't one? To the theater. Oh no, you're talking uh, about the cinema now. But I mean the cinema, yeah, right, not okay. the not the actual theater, because you guys make a distinction between those, uh, and we don't. Yes. <laughs> um, a theater is a theater is a theater. But I went to the cinema a couple times this week. Oh. Um, the first time to see 65 because yeah. with the new movies coming into the, the theater, it was yeah. leaving. And I was like, okay, I know that everyone says it's bad, but I got to go see it. Right. How can, you, how can, how can it be bad? How can, how it, can be it be bad? bad? Listen to what the plot of this is, dear listener. Right. Adam Driver is an unlucky spaceman who... <laughs> Goes on a an expedition, what's supposed to be a two-year expedition, him piloting this uh, flight full of people in cryostasis, uh, and happens to land on Earth 65 million years ago on the exact day the Ooh. asteroids took out the dinosaurs. Cosmically, that is unlikely. It's extremely unlikely. Mm. <laughs> However... That is, I mean, that's a funny premise. For, like, that is, that's hilarious, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I guess it is, yes. 
like of all things for you know this guy to be so unlucky he crash lands on the worst possible day to land on planet earth right that's that's so good there's so much great irony to be mined Mm. from that and this movie does not know that it takes itself completely seriously for the entire runtime of this so basically you know he's crash landed everyone else has died um, his ship is destroyed and there is one escape pod that is still intact that has landed 17 kilometers away and he finds this one little girl who is still alive that he has to bring with him but she speaks a different language and his translator is broken so he has to get her from point A to point B without mm-hmm. either of them getting eaten by dinosaurs or any of the other many you know things that are can potentially kill you on earth in prehistoric times so like that sounds like a great adventure (laughs) if i if i knew nothing more about the film i would be so up for that right it sounds like sam raimi a producer sam raimi is a producer of this movie um and it feels like it was made for five dollars um, it's like, it, there's parts of it where you're like, is this stock footage of Earth that they're using here? Like, certainly they didn't shoot this for this. Uh, the dinosaurs are very rarely in it. And when they are, they clearly uh, it must have a very low budget. And so they couldn't make them super realistic. You're looking That's at CGI dinosaurs. That so what shame. they did was they just kind of kept them mostly in shadow so that you're mm. not like focused on the fact that these are terrible CGI dinosaurs. <laughs> and so you don't get like really good scary looks at like these beasts yep. in this. Um and it takes itself extremely seriously, which what's there is something about that that actually ends up making it very funny. Multiple times I laughed out loud during this movie. <laughs> but and not. it absolutely yeah. was not supposed to I be see. funny. <laughs> um but it was the self-seriousness unintentionally made it funny. Um, It's just, it's a baffling film. How do you take such like a fun premise and then just do absolutely nothing with it? Yep, fair enough. That's what happens with 65. Uh, (laughs) Could I show it to a nine and a 12 year old? I mean, easily. There's nothing, there's no swearing, there's no sex, there's no real peril, but they'd be bored. Like Mm. (laughs) there's just nothing for them. In the movie. Because I was um, looking forward to stealing it off the internet yeah. to show to my kids. Yeah, I don't I don't think that there's... I don't know. Maybe it might entertain a kid. I'm not sure. It's short. It's 90 minutes. So, well, you know, there is that. Um, it's just kind of... It's like a drama. So part of it is that he, when he leaves his home planet, what it opens with is he has a daughter who is sick. And the reason that he's going on this two-year journey is to be able to afford whatever treatments they need to keep her alive which is like oh, so social historical social. space capital but it's not a commentary at oh. all like that's what's so it's just like taken for granted that it's like yeah of course even uh, millions of years in the past when they have this advanced technology yeah. still healthcare is Capitalism going to bankrupt you yeah, there's no critique in there anywhere. It just is what is like gets him out the door to okay, go okay, on this okay, okay, okay. ridiculous journey. So yeah, it's a little. It's got that sort of drama in the background of it. It's certainly safe for kids. I just don't know that they would be interested. safe for kids, but not advisable for kids. 
Right. Like, I think they're going to start playing and doing other things while watching it. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, So 65 I don't super recommend. But I did the next day go see John Wick Chapter 4. Did you just pronounce that in French? What? John Wick. John Wick. Le John Wick. (laughs) Might be just the way I say John. It can't be as good as people are saying, surely. It's so good. And I I said before this, I don't want to build things up for you because I know that can absolutely ruin a movie for you. Um, But if you liked the other John Wicks, this is definitely all of that. Um, The driving music throughout it just kind of like keeps you so it's a three hour movie Mm. but somehow you're so engaged the entire time the cinematography is beautiful the lighting is beautiful the music is perfection um the action is great um one thing i will say for it is it made me think of our conversation about scream um and about how that idea of like jumping into a franchise several yeah. ones into it. Yeah. And I was like, this, I think it would be very difficult okay. to watch without having seen the other ones. Right. Um, Fine. You've, you've, okay, okay. You've confirmed yeah. what I need to do this week then. Right. And and, it, and I think because you have seen them, it wouldn't be I'm like not, uh, throw you may, off. But... It may not astound you to learn that I don't remember any of them. Yeah. You don't remember anything. Still, I think they're like, so for example, this isn't, I, this is a no spoiler review. I would never spoil John Wick for anybody. Good, good. But one of the things throughout this movie is that like uh, in these movies, they have like suits that have like Kevlar in them or whatever. So like you can shoot people. But if you shoot them in the body, it just basically bounces off. If you don't know that for (laughs) this entire movie, you're just like, why doesn't anyone ever die when they get shot? Right. Like and like just things like that. On top of that, you know, the whole sort of overarching. If you only know John Wick is about a guy who is getting revenge for his dog dying. Yeah. The rest of this will make absolutely no sense because you have there's to understand some, some quite like deep the, lore in this series. Isn't yeah, it? there's a lot of lore um, that you have to understand for this movie. So if you are like, oh, everybody's loving John Wick Four, I should go see it, but you haven't seen the other ones, don't do that. Catch up. Okay. <laughs> Watch the other ones first, and then go see this one because you're gonna have a good time with the other movies. Mm. They're super fun, and then this is just absolute cherry on top of the franchise wonderful 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 yeah. right i'm gonna binge those this week yeah it's it'll be worthwhile and you want to see it on the big screen you know like yeah. it's definitely one that yeah you could steal it and watch it with your lighting setup and everything but there is oh it's so good in a giant screen in a little room in the dark it's amazing sold thank you yeah and then other than that i watched um i had recorded on tcm a old movie from 1953 called the hitchhiker um, that is about a guy who basically comes across these, like these two guys who are going on a fishing trip and they run into this murderer, yeah. um, who, you know, they pick up as a hitchhiker and then he immediately takes them hostage and they end up going to Mexico and he, you know, they're trying to figure out how to get away from this ah, You're not talking about the hitcher. You're talking about the hitchhiker. Not the hitcher. Right, the right, hitchhiker. Right. Um, and it was, it's really, it's only like an hour and 10 minutes long, which I love. Um, and it's very tense. Uh, it feels very like it has gay subtext in it. Okay. <laughs> um, it's directed by a female director. 
Um, but these two guys who are on this fishing tri- fishing trip, like, really feel like they're <laughs> more romantic than best friends. Like, oh, they have wives and everything, but it kind of feels, yeah, yeah, yeah it feels yeah. like, oh, fishing trip. Uh, <laughs> so if you like a little bit of, like, 1950s homoerotic subtext with murder and tension, The Hitchhiker is a pretty I good I actually time. do. Yeah, right? Like, it's a, who doesn't <laughs> like that? <laughs> it's a good time. So I, I actually recommend that. I don't recommend Amityville 2, The Possession, which nope. we watched in the screaming chat the other day. Okay. And it is so much more incesty than you expect it to be. Yeah. Mm, enough said. Less said, the better. Yeah, I think that's that's the case. Okay. How about you, Mark? Uh, so I was in a very specific mood last night. <laughs> a very specific mood. I had a very specific itch that needed scratching. Mm-hmm. Um. I was after a, I wanted something fucking nuts, right? I wanted to be surprised. I wanted to be confounded. I wanted to be delighted. Uh, I wanted to be confused. So <laughs> reading back some of our group chats was with the, that we've got going on, I decided that it was time to uh, dip into Toby Hooper's old back catalogue and watch 1985's Life Force beautiful which richard oh. had recommended a few weeks ago have you seen this film i haven't i keep on scrolling by it on plex and being like i gotta watch that but i have not watched it yet you'd fucking love it you know how it looks like i would to be honest oh you'd love it <laughs> what is it 64 65 63 65 which, right you know 65 completely fails to take advantage of the concept of dinosaurs in space right right mm-hmm. life force takes all of the promise contained within the two words space vampires, right? <laughs> it fully mines every ounce from that premise and a million percent more besides, right? Amazing. Space vampires is the most fucking balls out film I think I've seen in a long time. This film, this is a film that has its balls out. And it challenges you to, to fucking look at its balls and and and, bl- and not blink, you know? Take a yeah. long look at my balls. That's what Toby Hooper is saying here. Drink them in. Uh-huh. Um, it's got everything you want. It's got, you know, it's got space and it's got vampires, obviously. Right, yep. That's at a bare minimum. Yeah. But it, it's also got, like... Loads of gore. It's got gunfights. It's got an in- the entire city of London reduced to waste. Nice, right? It's got fucking, uh, you know, a-, a city full of 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 rioting vampires in the streets. It's got some seriously really impressive, like full body human puppet prosthetics. Oh, which the the type that I was not prepared for. Like a lot of serious craft has gone in. Uh, to some of the creature work in this film, like like fucking huge body sized vampire puppet people, nice, you know. But somehow it doesn't come across like Farscape or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Right? It's, yeah. <laughs> you know they're puppets, but they're so fucking good. These puppets. Um, you've got a, a British cast, a largely British cast, who look like they've just walked in from the fucking Sweeney. Na 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 na. You've got the most British cast uh, yeah. around. You've got Patrick Stewart. Yep. You got Patrick Stewart, who, who, as always, even though, you know, Shakespearean Patrick Stewart with material that is a good few fucking echelons beneath him. 
Yeah. But you wouldn't know it for his performance. You that. wouldn't know it at all because he just commits beautifully uh, right up until uh, the entire body's worth of blood pours out of his mouth uh, to form <laughs> a space vampire out of the Excellent. blood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's got, hey, if you like it, it's got space vampire titty and a lot what? of that. They, <laughs> co- they could have put some clothes on this woman, right? There was <laughs> Maybe nothing, went too hard on the, on the Nothing stopping titty. them dressing her right you meet her within the first 50 minutes and she's naked and they get her back to earth and she remains naked throughout the entire piece they could have dressed her (laughs) it's a choice it's toby hooper and his big balls um right has toby hooper done other sci-fi like because this just feels so out of left field to me uh well he air quotes directed poltergeist i mean that's the closest that's not sci-fi, though. That's uh, supernatural horror. Yeah, but it does that cool thing that I love where they try to apply a scientific method That's to, true, to yeah. spooks. I fucking love that game. Valid point, valid point, yeah. Uh, let me see, what else? I, can, I want to talk more about Life Force. Right. Go, for, go ahead, yeah, keep going. It moves at such a clip, this film. I, I literally, I looked away. In fact, I went for a wee, right, midway through, and I didn't pause <laughs> it for some reason. I got back and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? It... <laughs> <laughs> Everything changes like within 10, 15 minutes. Mm. And and it does that all the time. It's like a like a drum and bass mix. Like I, after like 30 seconds, it's a completely different film. <laughs> um it's got Do you rem- uh, you've seen a Clockwork Orange plenty of times, yes, I'm sure. I mean, I've seen it like twice. I okay. do not enjoy it. <laughs> There's one particularly horrible performance in a Clockwork Orange, which is Alex's probation officer. Uh-huh. And he visits him when Alex leaves prison and he's, yeah, this horrible sniveling guy. Yeah. Well, he's in it as the British Home Secretary and okay. plays it in exactly the same way as he plays <laughs> his character in The Clockwork Orange. Just the same. Okay. It's the same. Um, I think, I think, if I watch Life Force again, I think there's probably some kind of anti-establishment subtext going on in there somewhere. Okay. Uh, but who cares? It's... <laughs> It's batshit. This film is batshit. It starts batshit, and then by the end, you know, fucking hell. What a great movie. It sounds sounds very fun. It's terrific. I'm on board for that. It's terrific. <laughs> Maybe I'll download it for my travels. It's on Plex. You, 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 should, you, should, you should take a look. It's great. Into it. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Something else I want to talk about. Um, I had an experience today... Mm-hmm. which thrilled and excited me about the future and about the possibilities yet to come, right? Okay. So uh, I've only I've kind of dipped my toes into PSVR over the past couple of weeks since buying one, right. and it, it's terrific. I love using it. <clears throat> um, I've been, you know, paddling around in my kayak, driving <sighs> around in my race car, climbing up and down mountains. It's been a good laugh so far. I've enjoyed PSVR. But uh, I played a game today which... Fucking the penny dropped, the light bulb went off, it all clicked into place, and I finally had a VR experience, which absolutely blew me away. Mm. Uh, and I'm going to say the title, and you're going to go, what, really? The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners, right? There's a mm. PSVR 2, and I think it's an adaptation from like a PSVR 1 game. Okay. Uh, but there's a game, a Walking Dead game out for PSVR 2, and it's fucking brilliant. Okay. My Is God, it scary? Because that feels like it'd be scary. Yes. It's shit scary, okay. right? But it's 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 how you. Th- it feels 
it's super immersive for a start, right? Super mm-hmm. immersive. Um, you know, a a kind of a dusky, foggy, twilight environment where the fucking there's walkers all around you and you've got tasks to do. Um, but it it uses VR so brilliantly. You know, it uses the backpack. You reach in and put stuff in your backpack. You've got a torch. You know, you've got a fucking gun. But the just it, it uses VR almost seamlessly. One of the big things that it does, which just is so immersive, you've got arms, right? Mm-hmm. In this game, as opposed to just like disembodied hands floating around sure. in front of you, right? So for a start, you you can look at your arms and you turn your hands around the controllers and you can actually look at your arms. You've got a watch on in the game, so you lift your lift your wrist up to look at your watch. Yeah. And the the way that you fucking dispatch zombies is so good. So very quickly you'll come across like a bladed weapon you've got like a screwdriver or a kitchen knife or a shiv and you can flip it either way around in your hand so blade pointing up or you can flip it blade pointing down and fuck you make a violent stabbing motion at a zombie's head uh-huh. and you every time your blade sticks in the skull and you've got to jerk your hand back a few times to pull your blade out of the fucking zombie head yeah it's brilliant <laughs> It's fucking great. Aiming the gun is great. You can look right down the fucking sights of the gun and just cap zombies in the head. Uh, atmosphere is fantastic. The the <clears throat> the way that it uses the VR interface is fantastic. It, it it was the most revelatory use so far I've seen of 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 the VR headset. And I've loved everything I've done with it so far. Right, the 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 Horizon game, Call of the Mountain. I'm sure other people will agree with this if there are gamers listening to us, and I'm sure there are. We've all had that moment in Grand Theft Auto, right, where you put the game on, you don't play the game, you just drive out to the beach and listen to the radio. Uh-huh, yeah, Everyone's done that. You just <laughs> yeah. cruise the fucking motorways, looking at the environment, listening to the tunes, and just enjoying the environment, right? right Call yeah. of the Mountain, I, I, I found myself doing that. I'll put the fucking mm. headset on, and I'll, I'll spend 10, 15 minutes just looking at the view. You know, mm. and looking down at waterfalls and just being in the environment, being immersed. Wow. But uh, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, it it you have that feeling of being transported. You have that feeling of being actually taken to another fucking space. And the cramped environments feel claustrophobic. You look up mm. and the fucking, you know what I mean? You, you, you actually get a physical sensation of being in another place. And it just so yeah. happens to be another place where you can stab zombies in the fucking head really believably. <laughs> um, it's great. That does not sound like something I would enjoy. You'd but... hate it. But I yeah. mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy I, for I've you, though. been loving it and I can't wait to go back. Oh, that's amazing. Mm. Good well, shit. Good. Anything else? <clears throat> oh, no. Just that. Um, <laughs> Gloria. Well, like you said, it's it's been an intense week these these, yeah. these past seven days. So I haven't really had much time to do anything else. But yeah, totally. Uh, the two things that I fit in this week, I'm delighted I did because they were both great. Yeah, I feel like I watched like a TV series or something that I was like, oh, I want to talk about that, and I can't remember what it was now. So maybe next week I'll remember. But I did I watch am... a poker oh. face. I feel as though I'm not as into it as I was at the start of the series. <laughs> you gotta you gotta push through. Oh, I will. Hey, I'm yeah. going to finish it off. Absolutely. I got to the one yeah. with the two actors. The two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I don't think know. Through it's, uh, the formula is showing up a little bit. And it feels sure. a little bit, yeah. Uh, unlikely in a way kinda... that Columbo never was. It feels contrived. Yeah. There we go. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. But I think it, it goes good places mm. as it, you know, 
That's I've never wanted to turn it off. I've never gone. Yeah. And I'm, right. and I'm definitely <laughs> going to stick with it. Yeah. And I was about to say that, you know, what I have been watching is I'm now through season five of Columbo, I believe. Wow. So. You, you commit, yeah, don't you? Shocking. I mean, to be fair, like the seasons, like three, four or five are like six episodes each. They're not oh, like, okay, okay, okay. you know, we're not looking at like 21 episodes yeah. uh, of Columbo, but they are like, the thing is, as I've said, it's just that the episodes are long. So really it's just basically watching a Columbo movie every night mm. before bed, <laughs> you know, oh, that can't a, be bad. 98 minutes with Columbo as I get myself ready to sleep, brush my teeth, all that kind of stuff and see what he's up to. Nice. Um, and it, it's been a lot of fun. I watched one this week that was very fun that had Dick Van Dyke in it. And, you know, Columbo episodes, they have a humor to them, but they're not usually, like, deeply yeah. funny, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that episode just had a lot of things in it that were not like a slapstick humor or anything like that, but that were funny enough that I laughed out loud yeah. in it. And, you know, it's it's very fun to watch Dick Van Dyke as the murderer playing sort of against type mm. uh, in this and... Yeah, it's just been the Columbo journey still goes and it is still super fun. I'm having a blast. Beautiful. Love those. to hear that. I, yeah. I agree that there's humor in it. But like I said the other day, um, the humor and everything else is always in service of the character. It's always mm-hmm. in service of Columbo. Never, uh, uh, you know, never against it. Yeah, I will say now the I think the gag they were going for was certainly the fact that you don't see his wife, but she definitely does exist. Uh, oh. We do see him talk to her on the phone. Um, and then when he goes in one of the episodes in season four, he goes on a cruise and the captain saw his wife get onto the boat. So he's like, I'm looking, I can't figure out where my wife went. She looks like this. And then the guy's like, uh, talk to the captain. And the captain's like, what's her name? Then he's like, you know, it's Mrs. Columbo. <laughs> and he's like, I never forget a name. She came in here. She's probably just on the, the deck. When, so when we she see, is there. <laughs> when we see Columbo talking to her on the phone, is the killer present at the time? No, that's he's uh, in the room okay. by himself. Fine, fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, I was like, is it? Is he acting for this? But it's literally, he's the only one in the room and he's talking to her. I'm like, okay, she definitely does exist. Either that or he has a, a weird act of show out of it, life. didn't they? Yeah, exactly. So... You know, but I guess from what Brienne was saying, they later retconned that and, you know, said that she was like someone just pretending to be his wife or something like that. So. Oh, OK. I, I prefer the reading that she doesn't exist. I prefer. Yeah, the it is very that... funny. But it's also yeah. I think it's a good running gag that she simply never appears uh, <laughs> in this and that he's constantly talking about his wife who we never see. He also constantly talks about how his wife is fat. On this show, <laughs> it comes up all the time about like she's dieting because she got come fat. Across that yet? <laughs> it's so it's hilarious. Like there are multiple episodes uh, where he's talking about his wife being fat. Uh, <laughs> that's really, really, really amused me. Yeah, he's <laughs> not being cruel about it. He's no, she no. simply is fat. <laughs> Just a, yeah, nice. yeah. Um. So, Mark, what did what did you want to discuss? This right. Week. So, look, uh, we're uh, we're about a year and a half in now. No, mm-hmm. two and a half years. Two and in. a half years. Yeah. Holy shit! Two and a half years in. <laughs> I feel, mm-hmm. I feel at this point in the life of Jack of all Graves, mm-hmm. I'm ready. 
I'm feel as though I'm ready for a few listeners maybe to develop a parasocial relationship with me. Oh, are you? Yeah. We've reached that point in the journey because yeah. you were you were wary about the concept of a fan oh. uh, when we began this podcast, but now right. you're ready. My character arc for... has completely come full circle on that. Mm, okay. And I am very ready now. In fact, I'm a little bit chagrined that it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I feel as though the next phase of Joag to legitimize us a little mm-hmm. is to get parasocial fans uh, who feel as though they have a relationship with us that doesn't necessarily exist. I think we're getting in our own way here because the problem is that we treat our our listeners uh, like friends as soon as they show any interest in us. So it's really hard for someone to have a parasocial relationship with us when we immediately bring them mm. under our wing. We have to we have to maintain some sort of cool distance, distance in order for someone to like get to the point where they have to ah, shit. you know is make that, dolls is that of what us. It is? Yeah, is yeah, that why it isn't happening? Yeah. Okay. We're, and, yeah. Just the the idea <laughs> We're our of... own worst enemy. <laughs> We're too goddamn nice. <laughs> the 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 idea of parasocial relationships has been very much on my mind this week and thinking about that how how can i cultivate mm. how can i cultivate a fan base that feels as though they're in a relationship with me i want that was there some was there something that triggered this did you see something that like gave you these ideas was it scrolling your tiktoks now that you're you feel like you've befriended your many deformed children and whatnot it on could there have, i think i think it might have been sparked by watching how voraciously my kids and Owen in particular uh, have started to consume YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. and they they refer to their favorite YouTubers by name, right? Yeah, yeah. they yeah. you know, and I can I can see how it might happen. I can see the genus of it. I can see the seeds of it, and it got me thinking, man, because right. it's nothing new, right? Relationships, and just to define a parasocial relationship, sure. I think it's it, it, to quote it, it. The term has been around for fucking ages, right? The term has been around mm. since the fifties. Mm. Um, uh, it was uh, the the I can't quite find who the fucking quote was. I'm sure I could find if you if you if you care, but it, it, even as far back as 1956, right? Um, Quote, one of the striking characteristics of the new mass media, radio, television and movies is that they give the illusion of face to face relationship with the performer. Mm. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a state of mind or a state of fandom, if you will, where the consumer feels as though they are in a relationship with the producer, despite the fact that that producer has no knowledge that that person even exists. Right. And that's a fascinating state for me. Yeah, especially since, like you said, this has been a a concept that's been around for, you know, Mm. decades. Uh, And at that point, they're talking about people who you have no closeness at all with, who they're just on a screen, usually acting as someone else or they're performing or whatever. That's without taking into account the ways in which people like us, podcasters, YouTubers, and things like that, are talking about their lives and giving you insight into themselves that yes. make you feel even closer to yes. them. And again, t- Twitter has a lot. Twitter, again, ha- has a lot to do with that. I mean, I've had some yeah. interactions on Twitter, which have been, uh, and watching, you know, celebrities and people who I support fuck themselves up on Twitter, really, really ruin the the impression that people have of them. Yeah, um, totally. 
it's a fascinating state of mind to me. And without intervention, and trust me, he's going to get intervention. <laughs> but I, 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 I almost see it happening in, in, in right. baby form. You know what I mean? In baby steps. Yeah, uh, in, oh, and I, I feel as though I'd like to talk it out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you specifically were kind of interested in these parasocial relationships gone awry, not yes. simply the, I mean, the psychology of all of this in general, but also sort of when that can get extremely dark. Yes. Uh, because there's certainly varying degrees of that. There are. Yeah, fascinating. Um, that that quote I gave earlier on, by the way, was uh, in first used in 1956 in a paper by Horton and Wool. There you go. Okay. Don't fucking tell me I don't give my sources. You talk... <laughs> I appreciate that. You know I love a source. <laughs> you talk about there are indeed levels of parasocial relationships, right? Uh, and um, again, in a paper by uh, two guys called Giles and Maltby from 2006, right? They highlight three distinct levels. It's like an inverse triangle, right? Mm-hmm. Three distinct levels of parasocial relationship. Uh, and the further down you go, obviously, the more kind of detached from reality you, you, you might find yourself. On the okay. top level, the most broadest form of parasocial relationship is the entertainment slash social level. Mm-hmm. So uh, you might be attracted to a particular personality or a particular celebrity because they provide you entertainment. They provide you, you know, uh, talking points with your peers, perhaps. Sure. Something yeah. to take what your mind away. What we talked about before. Yeah. Perfectly healthy. At that level, it's kind of casual, casual parasociality, I guess. Right. That's, uh, I, I know I've been there. Of course. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's it's simply the idea that you, you like what someone reflects, knowing yes. that you have no, you know, if you ran into them in public, they would have no idea who you were. But yep. that whatever they put out there is something that for whatever reason you're attracted to and you like other people who like that too. As has been said of Jack of all graves before now, it's like listening to friends. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the further down the triangle you go, level two of the triangle is the intense slash personal level. Mm. This is when uh, the individual might start to develop uh, intensive or compulsive feelings towards the celebrity or the creator. Uh, that's where it's moving into uh, a parasocial relationship or celebrity worship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, reflecting really intense, really compulsive feelings, bordering on obsessive. Right. So, for example, a f- uh, somebody who's in that intense personal level of the parasocial triangle, they might consider the celebrity as their soulmate or their friend or a sure, partner right. to be. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. That, God, if if we could just sit down together, I reckon they'd they'd you know we'd really hit. Yeah, it off. we'd totally be besties or yes. whatever. Right. That's where I am. Writing with real person Portman. fanfic. <laughs> oh my <I> think. gosh. <laughs> Mark, well, I think me and me and Katy Perry are on that middle level. <laughs> oh dear, Mark. <laughs> Neither um, of those women would like you. <laughs> you don't know. Right. <laughs> I've seen Natalie Portman's work with The Lonely Island, and I think we would get on very well indeed. <laughs> uh, sure. And uh, what I'm not going to do is go down to the final tip of the bottom end of the triangle, right? This is the borderline pathological level of the parasocial triangle. This is when this is when the level of intensity, it, it, this, is, this is your stalker zone, right? Right, yeah. 
This is uncontrollable behaviours. This is fantasies which infringe upon your work life, on your social life, on your family life. This is, uh, you know, this is this is when you're turning up at their house. Mm -hmm. This is when you're this is when it becomes a problem, Corrigan. Yeah, there is. I think when we talk about that part of the triangle for pretty much every American, there's a specific person that we think of when it comes to that. Oh, yes. Yes, there's a murderous fan that is so despised throughout America. You literally only have to say her first name and everyone will know who you're talking about. Oh, wow. That person is Yolanda Saldivar. See, yeah, over there, maybe not so much. Yolanda? Saldivar. Saldivar, okay. Yes, on March 31st, 1995... Yolanda shot and killed Tejano singer Selena Quintanilla at a Days Inn in Corpus Christi, Texas. And it is hard to understate mm-hmm. how huge Selena was amongst America's Mexican-American community. Uh, she was known as the Mexican Mexican Madonna here. Wow. Uh, you say Selena, everyone knows. Or Selinas, as <laughs> is a famous line from the movie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and you can't talk about Selena without anyone going, oh, anything for Selena's. <laughs> but uh, Yolanda, Yolanda was ostensibly Selena's biggest fan. Yeah. Uh, she founded the Selena Fan Club and became so obsessed with the singer, she quit her job as a registered nurse to basically be a full time Selena fan. So that's yes. exactly what you were just talking about, about that part yes, of the yes, pyramid yes. where it's like your real life is yeah. like suffering around this but it worked out for her uh selena eventually hired yolanda to manage her boutiques she had various no. fashion boutiques around texas and she trusted her enough that she actually had a key to selena's house and selena sometimes called her mom but she oh, was selena also was cool with this Selena, like, Selena was cool. This was like, Selena was very into, you know, this relationship that she had with Yolanda. And and Selena didn't, a thing that you'll hear people talk about with her all the time, sort of two things that people say about her is, one, she trusted everybody. She was just completely guileless. She just was like, just thought good things about everyone. No one wants to hurt other people. Everyone's good. And she trusted really easily. Um, And the other thing was that she didn't totally understand how huge she was so she interacted with people around her as Mm. if she was some up-and-coming star when she was like the most famous human being in texas you know like she did not have that sense of like i'm a celebrity maybe people like come to me with bad intentions or things like that you know um so she you know yolanda was extremely possessive of Selena as people like this tend to be and she was insistent on being sort of the most important person in her life she would try to push people away who got too close to her was very jealous Um, and also being sort of in charge of finances around the boutiques and stuff like that she was pretty iffy with the money and went on spending sprees and stuff like that Um, but Selena was also you know very trusting and thus very protective of Yolanda so when people would like come to her and be like I think she's maybe, like, taking advantage of you and things like that. Selena would be like, no, absolutely not. No, she's great. Like, you know, she's like a mother figure to me. 
So she couldn't fathom that Yolanda would do anything to hurt her. Uh, But Yolanda went way too far when the Quintanilla family realized that she was stealing money from them um, and ended up firing her. And unlike in all the other situations where she'd become very vindictive and manipulative when crossed, Mm. Yolanda simply said, okay, and left, which is concerning. And Selena, for a bit, like, stayed very close with her. So she ended up actually, like, she stayed in contact and was like, hey, I'm going to be opening up another boutique. Do you want to help me with that? So even after (laughs) she fired or her family fired uh, Yolanda, she was still like, no, 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 we can totally be, like, business partners and all that kind of stuff. Um, But at one point, Yolanda went to Mexico. And when she came back, as people like this tend to do when they sort of feel maybe someone's slipping away from them or things like that. You try to sort of manipulate them into coming back to you. She came back from Mexico and she told Selena, you know, she was meeting um, at, so Yolanda was staying at a day's in and Selena came to like meet up with her to like get some business documents from her. And she told her that she'd been raped while she was in Mexico. And Selena already at this point was kind of getting like, a little bit wary like maybe she's manipulating me but she took her to the hospital and sure enough they didn't find any like evidence that uh yolanda had been raped which of course doesn't mean she wasn't but (laughs) selena was like this feels like maybe it's not real um then she kind of she talked to the nurses about that like i think maybe this is manipulative and she's not nothing happened you know um and so you know they went back to the hotel and they were overheard arguing um, and Selena took off the friendship ring that she kept with Yolanda. That, well, that's it. And yeah, that was the final straw there. A hotel staffer heard what she described as a loud or he described as a loud boom like a flat tire before seeing Selena run out of the room chased by a woman with a gun. The last thing she managed to say when she collapsed in a pool of her own blood was oh. Yolanda Saldivar, room 158. Oh. So Yolanda told the police that it was an accident. She said that she had meant to kill herself, which she blamed on Selena's father, Abraham Quintanilla, for kicking her out of their house and lives. She claimed she planned to shoot herself in front of Selena, but was simply gesturing with the gun when it went off and hit the singer. Naturally, her family and most people don't believe Bullshit. that. Yeah. <laughs> it was more of a, if I can't have her, of no one can situa- situation committed by a deeply manipulative, obsessed fan. What you've just outlined, you know, it's an example of a parasocial relationship blossoming into something real world. Right. Uh, exactly. But yeah, but carrying all of the... the all the of the baggage of baggage someone who was... They were never equals. Yeah, they were. Yeah, sure, it was sure, sure. always a fan relationship here, you yeah. know, and that's how this kind of escalated to this point. Yeah. It's also interesting because I think you can also see in the reactions to this. Like I said, if you <laughs> mention Yolanda to like any American, uh, she is despised, just absolutely loathed for killing mm. Selena, and. It's interesting to watch like videos of the time um, and how fans who were upset about this referred to Selena like as their sister, 
um, and, you know, all these other, like, very parasocial sort of things as well, that, like, their rage at Yolanda was like she had killed a family member of theirs. So you're getting both ends of kind of the exact same thing. It's not simply that it's like, oh, how tragic that this stranger's life was cut short, but she murdered my sister. She murdered someone who is deeply important to me personally, who I feel like I knew as well. So you're getting both ends, you know, of a parasocial relationship here with the murderous fan and the people. A parasocial fan base. Yeah. Furious at one of their own. Right. Exactly. Yeah. In a sense, you know, I think none of those people were going to escalate to that bottom part of the pyramid, but they're certainly firmly in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, and probably, like, you, it's that, you know, oh, I think Natalie Portman would like me if we were to sit down. Like, certainly, I think all those people would have thought, oh, if I had a chance, me and Selena would be homies. That, that, that kind of, that fan base, that parasocial fan base is by no means a new thing, right? Uh, Sherlock Holmes, right? Sherlock Holmes. Mm -hmm. His fan base, in, even in the 1800s. Yeah was so fucking rabid that um, after he got killed off in 1893, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, an absolute load of Londoners wore black armbands specifically <laughs> to mourn the passing of of Sherlock fucking Holmes. They went on to form right. a fan club uh, in the early 1900s and just fucking fan fictioned him back to life. Yeah. I had a deeply confusing flight once uh, when I was in college where there was a documentary about Sherlock Holmes on. Yeah, yeah. But the whole thing was presented as if Sherlock Holmes was a real person. Yes. And I was on that flight, you know, no internet or anything like that, (laughs) going, have I got this wrong? Has he been real this whole time? But the fans. (laughs) Yes. had a weird parasocial relationship with a non-existent character to the point where they made a documentary like he existed by all accounts there's there's still uh, the the Baker Street Irregulars they call the Sherlock Holmes fan (laughs) club that still exists to this day and Mm -hmm. uh, there's a a, a lively community that views Sherlock Holmes through the lens of somebody who actually existed and you know uh, John Watson just reported on all of his right yeah. You know, on, on all of his uh, all of his deeds and, and crimes that he solved. I mean, <laughs> I know I've talked about this guy before, right? But I, to me, there's no more textbook an example of a parasocial relationship gone fucking horribly, horribly, horribly wrong down that fucking borderline pathological point of the triangle than Ricardo Lopez. I know I've spoken mm. about him before, but... I, I don't know why this case in particular is so has such a hold on me, right? Uh, or maybe I do. I don't know. All you've got to do is watch excerpts from the videos that he made of himself, and it it is like looking straight in to mental illness. It's looking right into the core of somebody who is deeply, deeply mentally unwell. Why don't you refresh uh, the audience on who this is? I will, of course. Ricardo Lopez. <laughs> so yes. um, he became known as the Bjork Stalker, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy who, uh, you know, wrote books and books full, handwritten diaries uh, about his, his, his love for Bjork, his obsession with Bjork. He was a guy who, uh, you know, suffered from 
really really poor self-image and self-loathing he uh felt that he'd failed in you know in his career he worked as a pest controller um dropped out of high school wanted to become an artist interestingly and this 100 played into what happened with him he was a sufferer of uh something called kleinfelter syndrome okay okay one i hadn't heard of before you know, before before reading up about Ricardo, um, it it's a chromosome disorder. It's present in males where they've got an additional copy of the X chromosome, right? Um, mm. Physically shows up as infertility and small and unfunctioning testicles. Oh, right. Okay. Tiny mm-hmm. little balls that don't really work, and you might also find that uh, sufferers have kind of weak muscle mass. Does it, uh, I'm assuming that probably affects like testosterone and stuff like yep, that. As 100%. A yeah, 100%. You get uh, gynecomastia, so breast <laughs> growth, male breast growth. Um, and this Hips, all fed into his... All that stuff, yeah. Say again? Hips. Yes, like, yes, 100%. 100%. Feminine, uh, feminine facing kind of characteristics. Mm-hmm. Um, and this all played into his kind of socially reclusive life, poor self-esteem, and eventually developed that lower triangle pathological parasocial obsession with Bjork in 93 right Mm -hmm. 1993 he wrote a some 800 odd pages of just Bjork thoughts mixed in with his own kind of lamentations of his own self-loathing his own inadequacy Mm -hmm. but what lit the fuse what really fucking lit the tinder was when he found out in 1996 that she was in a relationship with uh, Goldie, the drum and bass uh, producer. Um, he actually wrote in one of his Bjork diaries, I wasted eight months and she's got a fucking lover. He actually felt, he yeah, actually like he'd felt... He'd been jilted. Yes, that all of this pouring his inadequacies and his obsessions out in uh, you know into paper was somehow working him working towards a real-life relationship with her. Right, um, yeah. So he finds out that she's, you know, in in this relationship with Goldie and things just plummet really quickly. He moves from writing to starting to film himself. He starts to film a video diary, uh, some 11 two-hour VHS tapes with absolute frothing fucking madness on these yeah. tapes, which culminate in his building an acid bomb inside a hollowed out book. Uh, which he posts to Bjork, and on the day he posts it, he returns back to his, you know, th- his living space, films himself shaving his head down to the skin, films himself uh, applying face paint. Interestingly, the reason I say that his Kleinfelter syndrome was an intrinsic part of, of this descent, and I will never forget, he painted red circles over his man tits. Very strange, very fucking yeah. telling, you know, about his right, state of yeah. mind. There's something about it. His psychology is coming out in what yes, he's doing here. Yes, uh, and he puts a Bjork song on the stereo, shoots himself in the mouth on Jesus. camera. Yeah. Um. And he, you know, uh, thank fuck. I mean, the bomb was intercepted; it never reached her. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he he he. Uh, Ricardo had no way of knowing it but she actually broke up with Goldie like in the, in the days after he fucking shot himself so well <laughs> patience you know, is a virtue you might buddy. still have had a chance is what I'm saying if you just yeah. fucking hung in there mm. uh, and rinsed the tip paint off and I don't know 
but yeah, that, that, when I when I hear that term parasocial relationship, my mind goes straight away to mm-hmm. Ricardo Lopez in his flat. Yeah. And I mean, these are such like, obviously extreme versions of that. But I think what you're mm. talking about with like, um, you know, what you're trying to prevent Owen from and things like that. There's yeah, yeah. obviously yeah. these little things that we have to worry about, too. I was reading about um, uh, Christina Grimmie. Who yes. had she had been a contestant on The Voice, I believe, um, okay. and was sort of an up and coming star, but had uh, become popular through YouTube mostly. Uh, and YouTubers get a lot of the parasocial relationship type yes. situation happening. To see why. Um, yeah, my my original co host Heather Feather is an ASMR ASMRist, as they call them. Mm. Um, she, Your original like, co host from. From my first podcast, The Electric Fan Cave, okay. um, I started it with this ASM artist named Heather Feather, who's one of, at the time. She, yeah, she, like, people kind of would, like, figure out things about her, even though she was very careful um, to not, like, give anything away, not even, like, the state she lived in or things yeah, like that. Yeah, but yeah, people yeah. on the internet are insane and can figure out stuff from, like, yes, anything. Course. And she said, like, once a fan showed up on her front lawn and she had yeah. no idea how this person yeah. found out any information that would lead them to her. Um, and, like, people really develop these kinds of things. But, like, it's it really does, like I said, it lends itself... To other issues, so I was reading about Christina Grimmie, and she was killed by a fan um, at, like, a meet-and-greet. A guy who was obsessed with her brought, like, a gun and knives and all that kinds of stuff and, and shot her while in the meet-and-greet line. And these are... The, and the article I was reading about was talking about just kind of, like, YouTubers and parasocial relationships in general. And that even if things don't escalate to that point, for your own mental health parasocial relationships can be deeply problematic you know that when you they were talking about like things that showed that people neglect real life relationships to watch youtube to Mm. spend time with their youtube friends instead to go home and watch their youtube instead of cultivating relationships in real life which then makes people feel very alone (laughs) in their day-to-day life when their friends are yeah, 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 are yeah. people who have no idea that they exist or just people that they watch all the time. And yeah. I know how easy it, like, I even, uh, I've been watching this um, vlogger who her YouTube is Love in London, and she is a, an American who's lived in London for a decade, and she does travel vlogs about London. Um, and I messaged like Brienne and Kristen. I was like, oh, <laughs> this girl would totally hang out with us. Like she is, she's so much like Kristen, like all this kind of stuff in it. And like, obviously I know that like, I'm not going to be friends with this girl who makes travel vlogs or whatever, but imagine like if I didn't have Kristen and Brie real life versions of this girl yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was sitting there watching this all the time, like thinking about like, Oh, we'd have such fun times and like all this kind of stuff. Like that is not, mm. it's not good for you to sit yeah. and, and watch these kinds of things along with all the kinds of ways in which they can influence your thinking in ways that are not great. If <laughs> the people are like Andrew Tate's and Logan Paul's and shit, yes, like, shit yes, like that. Yes, yeah. But just from like a your own social psychology, like it can be very problematic to really kind of put Hugely. so much emotional energy yeah. into people who have no idea you're alive. 
100%. And, you know, thinking about about the big celebrity YouTubers these days, the biggest mm-hmm. fucking YouTubers, Beast and the Ilk. <laughs> so much of their visual brand is interacting with their fan base. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you know, in giving ridiculous sums of fucking money and material goods out to people left, right, right. and centre. Just interacting with people like that. And it's easy, so easy, to view that as, well, hang on, that I could... That could be me. I could be. Yeah, right. It very much Beast could be, could, right? If I, you know. Uh, and look, the, the 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 fact that it devalues money and property is another <laughs> fucking story entirely. There's no fucking right. ethic to anything that he does. And, and there's no. something deeply, deeply uncomfortable to me about the yeah, constant consumerism the and yeah. flaunting of... <laughs> Yeah, Easily just giving fucking, out Teslas yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's nothing, yes. you know, like... Yeah. that's another story. But <laughs> I, I can well see, to an immature mind, how that would be so fucking attractive mm-hmm. as to just want to spend time in that fucking consumer-creator relationship. I, 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 I can see it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, and it but, seems like, yeah, now it's more... You're, it's almost surprising this kind of stuff doesn't happen more because we're so much more well, connected to creators than I've seen on news. You know, a mum and her two kids turning up at the address of some YouTuber. Right. And oh, expecting that definitely him, happens all the time. Yeah. And expecting him to come out and sign shit. You know, right. this week, uh, you, you know, Rhea Ripley, of course, the wonderful Rhea Ripley from the WWE. Um, oh, I saw that post. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having to publicly speak out and uh, and just quite rightly express her fucking tiredness and and how done she is at people approaching her outside of a performance environment outside of work and just expecting right. her time expecting her focus yeah, um exactly yeah uh it's easy to see why it's a problem and it's impossible to imagine that it won't become a bigger one yeah exactly that like i mean i think i'm surprised that these things don't escalate to violence more often than they do now but yeah, it's same, certainly same. yeah i think anyone who uh, gets a huge following in any of those areas. Yeah, you know that even that love and London girl. I she's I don't she's never talked about being stalked or anything like that before. But in several of her videos, you see people come up to her and be like, "I planned my whole trip around your videos Whoa. or whatever." Like so, even just like you know people who are grateful, they're just expressing like this is so cool to see you because you're the reason that I am going to these places on my trip and it's made it so much better. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. But it's also like, yeah, she's just out and about living her life and there's strangers Being who know who she is. Being inspired is great. Being inspired you know? <laughs> by a fucking public figure. Fantastic. Right, yeah. That's the point, right? Yes, <laughs> like yes, You yes. want that. You don't want it to get to the point where instead of people being like, oh, thanks, you only plan my trip, they're like obsessing over you. And, and I think key, it is like... It? It's, it's when you're real air quotes real life starts to fall away and suffer yeah and i think people who are not just mentally ill people but people who are lonely are more vulnerable to this than than others you know and we live in a society that increasingly makes people lonely um and so i think that the combination of loneliness and society and the fact that we have such you know our people who we watch now and that we are big fans of often aren't celebrities. We know we're never going to touch the big people, but there's so many people who seem like they're us. They're just normal people who happen to be on YouTube. Um, You know, I think that 
even outside of the extremeness of what that can be, it's always kind of important to like pay attention to like the small ways in which maybe you're giving too much energy to uh, someone who can't give any of that back mm-hmm. and what that does to your your mind when you're doing it. We certainly do live in a society. We do live in a society. That's for sure. And sometimes that society is isolating and there are problems mm. that go along with that. You know, um, I certainly enjoy my I listen to podcasts. I like you said of referring to people by first names like your your kids do and stuff like that. Like me and Kristen will text each other and be like, oh, my God, Henry did blah, 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 blah. When we're talking about Henry Zabrowski from last podcast on the left or things like that. We know who we're talking about when we call mm. someone by. Did you see the last podcast name. on the left poster and scream? Sex <laughs> yes, I did a big poked Keo and pointed <laughs> when it happened. It's like, look, look, look. Last podcast I literally on the left. only know that chain of words because of you. it's a phenomenal podcast um and people get very weird about them too um which is why they used to be in their facebook group and they stopped because people were like sexualizing them in weird ways and just doing stuff that made them like deeply uncomfortable (laughs) Mm. and they were like we don't need that anymore and they they left you know and that's taking removing themselves things like i saw a lot of people with what was the name of that wrestler who rhea ripley Rhea Ripley people did react poorly to that you know being like oh wow like you're in this position because you have fans how dare you say that we can't wrestlers comes to the territory does (laughs) yeah fuck yeah that's not what people sign up for you know to be approached by us at every point in their life you know they signed up to do a job you know it's like you don't go to your doctor's house and go like oh excuse me like you went to medical school and now you have to perform surgery for me on your mm. front lawn. <laughs> like, for free. You know, that's for free. Yeah. Like that's not how this works. No. Um, so yeah, parasocial relationships are fascinating because I think we all, for the most part, you know, some people are not interested in pop culture or anything like that at all. But for the most part, those of us who are, we have some degree of this. Oh yeah. But... That to- top level of the triangle mate, no problem. <laughs> Right. But, you know, it's both for our health and for the people who we idolize or whatever that it's important to, like, watch that. Yes. You know, and to tell kids, tell your kids to be careful about that shit. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We are going on holiday next week, the four of us and my mother. And uh, we're not going to take the kids iPads. Oh, dang. Yeah, I know. That'll be interesting. Yes. How do you think that's going to go? Uh, I'm hoping that they'll be, we'll all be busy enough for it not to matter. Right. That's what I wonder. Like, is it at this point, does that make kids entirely stir crazy? Or do you think like, no, they're just going to, no. they're going to be in the moment. It's going to be fine. Yeah. He'll have his brother there. He'll have his nan there. We'll have plenty of stuff to do. I think it'll be okay. Sounds like you're more worried about Owen than Pete when it comes to these things. Yes, I am. I am. You've got one internet kid and one who's, you know. Uh, you're not as Pete, Pete will be on his phone, yes. Pete will be watching YouTube, yes. But Owen is displaying signs of, you know, he, 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 he's he's got a monkey on his back. You know what I mean? He's, he's mm-hmm. Jones in a little bit. Uh, right, 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 yeah. So I think it's time to intervene. <laughs> well, that'll be good to have a nice little time off there. Yes, with fam. That's will. fun. I'm excited that you're all going to Wales and going to have a good time. Oh, we're not going to Wales. We're going to oh. Devon. Oh, Devon. Yes. 
I, I don't know why I thought you... Well, I think because you're picking up your mom, right? That I'm, was why I assumed yes, you Yes, I'm okay. picking her up on Sunday. So, parasocial fans, I will be in Wales on Sunday. <laughs> if you want to track him down... If you want to sleuth out where my mum lives... You've spoken so highly of that town. I'm sure everybody wants to go and see what it's like. I'll see you there. <laughs> and we will see you, dear friends, on the interwebs, on all kinds of things over the course of uh, this coming month when Mark and I will be making some content together in yep. person, Love which it. will be great. We'll be getting those uh, Ko-Fi mailers for our great bunch of lads uh, supporters together uh, as a pair. And that will be very fun. So make sure if you're not already subscribed to our Ko-Fi, you do that ko-fi.com slash jack of all graves. Um, there's going to be, yeah, lots of fun stuff that we're going to be making over the course of the next month that you'll want to be able to get a hold of. So follow us on all the socials. We're at jack of all graves on everything. If you want to join the book club, jack of all graves.com slash book club. That about sums it up, doesn't it, Mark? Beautifully, beautifully wrapped up, Corey. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. I think there's one more thing that I'm forgetting about. but Bring it home. Uh, what are they supposed to do again? They're supposed to stay spooky at all times. Ah, stay spooky. <laughs>